Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. I guess it would be the desire of anyone, perhaps, that is that is saved is to be used by God. I don't know if that is your desire tonight, but I know that I know that when I got saved at 16 years, when I got saved at 16 years of age, I desired to be used by God. I wanted, I wanted to be used for His glory, for His purpose. May not have known everything, may have not have gotten all the, uh, the, the details right, but I knew, I knew that I wanted to be used for His glory, for His honor, and for His purpose. What if I told you tonight that God is wanting to use each and every one of you for His glory and for His purpose. What if I told you that, that God is not satisfied where you are at? In the place that you're at, now I'm not saying that people here are sinners or backslidden or whatever the case may be, but what if I were to challenge you tonight to tell you that God is not satisfied where you are at? I know that there used to be the old song that we used to sing that said, Is my Lord satisfied with me? And so if God had to take an inventory of your life as far as being used for His glory and for His honor, would He be satisfied with you? Let me ask you this question. Are you satisfied where you are at? Are you satisfied with your walk with the Lord? Are you satisfied where God, where, where you feel like that you are at in your life? What if I were to tell you tonight, church, that God has so much more in store for you that He would like to take you into? You see, in my experience, especially as a, as a, as a Pentecostal Spirit-filled believer, I hear, this, I hear this terminology used a lot of times and and I'm afraid that at times we really don't understand what we're asking or what we're even, uh, and, and even what we're even declaring. But sometimes I get around spirit-filled people, Pentecostal people. What they will say is, is that I want to go deeper with the Lord. I want, I want God to take me deeper. We even sing songs about that. We even. Ask God, God, take us deeper. But I wonder if we are really understanding, if we are really uh, conscientious about what we, what, 
we are really asking for, what we are really wanting God to do, what we are really asking the Lord to accomplish in our lives when we say things like, God, I want to go deeper. God, I want more of you. God, I, I, I want to do more for you. God, I want to accomplish more for you. God, I want, I want you to use me in a greater way. God, I want you to use me in a more powerful way. I, maybe we don't necessarily understand completely what maybe we are asking God for when we say things like that. Because here's what I know. I know that when we get into the deep places of God, we no longer have control. Oh, come on. you're not going to help me preach tonight, but that's okay. When we begin to get into the deep places of God, we no longer have control. Can I just can I just share this? Can I just share this with you? My kids, they're not very good swimmers. They're just not. They're not very good swimmers, to be perfectly honest with you. Daddy is not a very good swimmer. And we went, we, when we were down in Florida, we took a couple of extra days to be able to go down, to be able to go over to the beach. Maestro had never been to the beach before. Uh, and in and, and almost five years, we've never taken him. We've never taken him to the beach. The last time that we were there, the kids were, ve- the two girls were very were very small, and so we we got us a place over by uh, over on the beach, and I was amazed that they wanted to spend more time at the pool than they actually did want to spend at the beach. But here's what I noticed: I noticed because because of the fear that they don't know how to swim, they they did not want to get into the deep end. Can I be honest with you? I've been that way before. When I've gotten into the pool, I'm fine as long as my feet can touch the bottom. I'm fine as long. I'm fine as long as, as, as even if I start to go under, if I can just touch the bottom, I know that I know that everything is okay. But there is something that that happens on the inside of my kids that when they get when they kind of get off of the steps. When they kind of get off of the uh, in, into the in, into the deep end, how many know? If especially if you have an underground pool, that there is there there is the spot that as you're as you're walking as you're walking through that pool, everything seems good, but there seems to be like this invisible line where it just seems like that everything just drops off, and you go from like three feet of water to like eight foot of water in just a matter of seconds. And but there's something about that that all of a sudden well, I'm not in a place that I'm used to. I'm not in a place. I'm not in a place that 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 I, I, my feet are no longer are no longer touching the bottom. And if I start to sink, if I start if I start to go under, then something something may happen. Can I tell you? Can I? Can I challenge you tonight that there's a lot of Christians and a lot of churches that are like that? Oh, there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of churches that are content with staying on the shallow end 
of the pool where as long as they can touch the bottom, as long as they can, as long as they can touch, as long as their toes, as long as their toes are just touching the bottom of the pool, everything's okay. Because I don't want to get out into the deep places because the deep places are the places that, that I'm uncomfortable with. It's the places that I've got to have more ability. It's the places I've got to have more training. It's the places that I've got to be stretched just a little bit. Oh, you're not helping me preach tonight. But what if I told you that God's will for your life and God's will for my life is not for us to be stranded on the shallow end of living. We got too many shallow Christians. We got too many shallow churches. We got too many shallow believers. We got too many people that just want to that that wanna that wanna sit on the steps, sit on the pew, so to speak. I'm preaching better than your shout right now. But they don't want to jump off into the deep end of things. Can I tell you this tonight, church? You can sing and not be on the deep end. You can preach and not be on the deep end. You can pay your tithe and not be on the deep end. You, 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 you can help out in various areas and not be on the deep end. You can, you, you can teach a class and not necessarily be on the deep end. The deep end is where God reveals things to you that He doesn't reveal to anybody else. Let me just say this and then I want to get to my text and I want to get I want to get into my I want to get into my notes. You see, I love uh, when when I was in high school everybody was taking the regular science classes but I wanted to take marine biology because I was interested in the things that could not be seen. Oh, I knew about I knew about sharks. I knew about whales. I knew about all you know, all the pretty pretty little fishes and stuff like that that we can see in the ocean but I was interested in those things that were in the deep part of the ocean. I was interested in those things that 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 was kind of freaky. You ever, you ever seen pictures of those of those things in the deep part of the ocean where where most everybody can't get to? I mean where it's where it's dark there's no light down there. I mean, and there and there is some there's some stuff down there that'll make that'll make your skin crawl. I mean, they're telling us they're they're telling us even today that probably only a third of the ocean's depth has been actually explored. Can I tell you that some of us in our Christian walk are like that? Some of us in our walk with God are like that. Some of us, some of us, we don't want to get into the deep things of God because, because it's in those places that God begins to reveal some stuff. And quite frankly, we can't handle it. But what if I told you tonight that God, that God is asking you to go out into deep waters? Nowhere do I find this any greater than Jesus' commission to Peter in Luke chapter 5. 
Jesus would tell Peter in Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, He would tell them, He would say, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your net so that he, so that you can get a catch. Now let me ask you something. Does this have anything to do with fishing? No. Oh yes, on the surface, on, on, on the surface, there's the, that he's going to catch fish here in just a minute. But God is showing a principle to this man. That there's so much more that I am needing you to do than what you are doing right now. Oh, I'm preaching better than your shout right now. There's so much more that I am needing you to do. There's something greater that I am calling you. He was calling, see, that he was calling him to an adventure of faith. Can I tell you, this life in Jesus, it's an adventure in faith. You see, this life is so much more, this walk with God is so much more than us getting up and going to work every morning. It's so much more than us just getting together on Sunday and clapping our hands and singing a few songs and hearing a great message. God is wanting to show forth His glory in your life. And I believe that God is calling us, He's calling the church, to launch out into the deep. So here's my question. Here's my admonishment to you. Here's my challenge to you. I've got one question for you. Are you a deep person? Come on. Are you a deep person? Oh, it got very, it's getting quiet, but that's okay. Are you a deep person? You see, I'm going to share these few things out of the story in Luke chapter 5. And then I'll be done. What do deep people look like? If you're a deep person, what does a deep person look like? Number one, are you ready? Number one, deep people, this is not some great revelation, deep people are ordinary people. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was simply on the shore finishing up a long night of fishing. And Jesus showed up where he was at on the shore as Peter was mending his net, getting ready to go home after a long night's work. And Jesus calls to him and says, go out into the deep. There's something that I'm still wanting you to do. See, Jesus initiated the search. Peter wasn't looking to be used by God. But God was looking for someone that he could use. Oh, you see, God is not interested. Can I tell you, we think that God, we think God wants the most educated. We think that God wants the most talented. We think that God 
wants the most gifted. Can I tell you, God is not interested in your talent and your ability. He is just looking for someone that is willing to do what he needs to be done. And Jesus took what Peter had and began to use it. Peter was a fisherman. And so Jesus used what Peter had in order to show him something great and something marvelous. See, Jesus is initiating the search, but listen, Jesus uses faithful people, available people, and teachable people. He will use you if you are faithful. That word faithful just just means integrity. That means that you'll show up when nobody else will show up. You'll do it when nobody else will do it. And can I tell you this? Faithful people don't complain. Oh, I didn't, I, didn't think I, I didn't think I was going to get too many amens on that, but that's okay. Good. Faithful people don't complain. I wouldn't be a faithful husband if every morning I woke up in bed next to my wife and goes, I got to wake up next to this again. But can I tell you this? Some of you act like that coming to the house of God. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Faithful people don't complain. Faithful people are available. Faithful people will look where they can be used and without question will be used. Can I tell you what faithful people will do? Or what available people will do? Available people will walk into the restroom where there isn't toilet paper. And instead of coming to the pastor and say, hey, pastor, there's no toilet paper. You need to go fix that. We'll go, hey, where's the toilet paper so I can put a new roll on the toilet paper, on the toilet roll? I'm talking about deeper. He also uses teachable people. If you can't be taught anything, you can't be used. If you walk into a situation thinking, listen, if you walk into a room and you feel like that you're the smartest person in the room, find a new room. I'll say that again. If you walk into a room and you feel like that you're the smartest person in the room, find a new room. Because if you can't be teachable, you can't be used of God. If you can't be teachable, if somebody can't sit you down, if the, especially the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit can't sit you down and say, Hey, listen, there are some things that we need to talk about. There are some things that I'm wanting to show you. There are some things that I'm needing to, and there are some things that I'm needing to do. You can be used. But here's the greatest thing. Everybody sitting in this room can be used of God because God, because God will use the rich and He'll use the poor. God will use the educated and He'll use the illiterate. He'll use the pretty and He'll use the ugly. Can somebody say amen? He'll, 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 use, you whether, he'll use you whether you're old or whether you're young. He'll use you whether, whether or not if you have a lot of talent or if you don't have no talent at all. God is just looking for somebody that is willing to go deeper that is not satisfied with where they're at. Amen. 
God uses ordinary people. Number two. God, deep people. Deep people are persevering people. Deep people are persevering people. Perseverance is a great resource. Is a greater resource than it is ability. Peter was tired. They had fished all night. And had caught nothing. The effort failed, but he was, he was willing to go back out and try again. Alright, I'm going to let you in on a deep, dark secret. Are you ready? I hate fishing. Don't like it. Thank you, sis. I'm going to preach to you just for about the next two minutes. I don't, I don't, I don't like fishing. Y'all people that are doing me, y'all need to get saved. I, I, my, dad, my dad used to take me fishing. We'd, we'd get up and we'd go fishing. I, I hated it. I, I, I just, I hated it. Now listen, I'm going to tell you two things real quick. I hate hunting and I hate, fish, and I hate fishing. Don't like either one of them. No, don't like it. You like that? Then that's, that, 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 praise God. God bless you. Then, and, and what happened? But there was nothing, there was nothing ever appealing to me as a kid and still to this day. Nothing was ever appealing to me about getting up before even the chickens got up and prepare a boat or to prepare the hunting stuff and just to go somewhere and sit. I knew that at home. I knew that at home in my air conditioning. And, and guys, listen. Guys, listen. I, I, I understand. I understand. Well, that's that's my quiet time, and it's not necessarily about what we kill, or if it, it's just about just getting away. I, I get all that, but y'all need help. I'm just saying. All right. So, and so we would go out there, and we'd go fishing, and we sit out there for four, five, six hours, and not catch a blessed thing. I mean, and, 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 and you know how it is because, you know, listen, I'm not trying to get off on tangents here, but everybody, especially people who go fishing on a regular basis, they claim that they're really experts when they're really not. But that, that's it, you know, because, well, you didn't use this type of bait. You, you should have used this instead of that. And, uh, whatever. and so, and, and so we, we would, I, I would try all the tricks. My dad would say, well, this is what you need to do. This is what, and I, would, I wouldn't catch anything. And I'm, think, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, how much fun is this? This is not fun. I've wasted almost all day and I haven't called a blessed thing. But I will tell you this. In that, my dad taught me the principle of perseverance. Because he would say, Throw it out again. Do it again. Well, I, I've already done this, Dad. And I don't, it, and it hasn't yielded any results. And that's it. Try again. And usually, without fail, when we would go on these, when we go on these fishing trips, it would usually be at the moment. 
Now, we're getting ready to pack up, reel everything back in, clean everything off, and get ready to go back to the shore or go back, or if we were fishing on the bank, to go back to the car, whatever it was. It was usually at that moment when I was reeling back, when I was reeling it in for the final time, that something bit. What are you saying? What are you saying, Brother Jerry? Is that God uses persevering people and deep people are people of perseverance. You see, we're living in a generation. And, and, and when I say a generation, I'm not talking about young or old because it's across the board. We give up too easily. We, when it gets hard, we reel it in and go home. We try something in the church for the first time and it doesn't work out. It, it, it doesn't go as smooth. Well, I just knew that that wouldn't work. So we should just go back to the way that we've been doing it for the last 50 years. Oh. And Peter had done this. Peter had been fishing all night, hadn't caught a single thing. God tells him, go back out into the deep waters and do it again. You may, it, it may have not worked the first 20 times that you tried it. It may not have worked the first 100 times that you done it. But do it again. Try it again. Get up, dust yourself off, and try it again. Thomas Edison, before he, before, before he would do, before he would discover his greatest inventions, at times would fail over 200 times before he would ever get it right. And he would go on record of saying, I have, I have not failed 200 times. I have found out 200 ways not to do it. Mm. You see, it's all about perspective. And what the enemy would love to do is for you to give up and throw in the towel, retire, not worry about it anymore. I put in my time. I tried it. But God and the Holy Spirit is speaking and He's saying, go one more time into deep waters and persevere. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Deep people are persevering people. Deep people, number three. Deep people are obedient people. Peter looks at Jesus and says, We've been fishing all night. Been fishing all night. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it again. If there's one word that you need to put into your vocabulary, it's the word nevertheless. It means in spite of the doubt. In spite of the discouragement, in spite of the disillusionment, in spite of the failures of others, in spite of personal setbacks, in spite of personal failures, I will let down the net again. People who go out into deep 
waters are people who are obedient to the call of God and what God is speaking to them. If you're not willing to listen and obey, you can't be used. Deep people are obedient people. Number four. I'm trying to get through this very quick. Deep people are humble people. Humility simply means to recognize your need of God. He drops down the net and He captures all of these fishes. And when he realizes it, he humbles himself before God. And this is the words that he says. He says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Humility is one of the greatest characteristics of everyone who is in a deep relationship with God. Abraham was humbled. Jacob was humbled. Job was humbled. Isaiah was humbled. Paul was humble. Humility before God transforms us into servants of others. In deep waters, when we are humble, we relinquish our rights to rule over others. Here we go. Are you ready? If you've always got to be in control, you're not humble. If it's always got to be about my way. If you get mad, if you get mad over every time something happens because that's not the way I do it. First of all, there's a pride issue at stake and it has to be forgiven of because here's the thing. Pride is not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'd give myself an offering if I had a few bucks in my pocket right now, but I don't carry cash on it. Humble people don't have to rule or control or dominate or intimidate to exercise authority. You see, the disciples always got called up in that quest. They wanted to be known as the most popular. But here's the thing. Deep people, deep people are humble people because Jesus would say in Mark chapter 9 verses 33 to 35, Jesus would say, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Number five, and I'm finishing here. Deep people are visionary people. Two scriptures I want to give you here. Number one, I want to give you an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture. Book of Proverbs would say this, where there is no vision, right. people perish. Yeah. Now, got time, got time for me to give you a, a 30 to 45 second Bible study on that? We think of vision as what we see. But really what the writer there in the Hebrew is actually saying, where there is no vision, where there is no generations. Where you are not raising up generations, people perish. You see, visionary people are generational people. 
I, I knew I wasn't going to get any amens on that, but it's okay. Visionary people are generational people. Remember King Hezekiah? King Hezekiah is that man that when the prophet comes to him and says, set your house in order, you're going to die. And King Hezekiah turns to the wall and begins to intercede and the word changes before the prophet ever gets out of the palace. Read your Bible. God adds 15 years to King Hezekiah's life because he interceded because of the prophecy that was given. But a short time later, the prophet comes back to tell King Hezekiah and he says, not in your lifetime, King, but the next generation, I'm going to spell one The next generation is going to be carried away into captivity into Babylon. And they're going to lose everything. Here's the man that interceded when he was told that he was going to die and God had a 15 the response to King Hezekiah, the response of King Hezekiah to this prophecy that the next generation after him is going to be led into Babylonian captivity is this word is good as long as it's not happening in my lifetime. And he was willing to let a future generation Go into captivity as long as it wasn't his kingdom. You see, Hezekiah was not a visionary person. Because a visionary person just doesn't see this. But a visionary person will always see into the future. It's called leaving a legacy. And if we are not willing to see into the future, if the only thing that we're worried about is today, how can I get mine? How can I get what I need? How, how, how can I just maintain today? But you are not if you're not vision-oriented to the future generations, it will always die and people will perish. We've got to be visionary. Why? Because the Bible says in the last days... Here's the New Testament scripture. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. The young men will see visions. If we are truly deep spirit filled people, we will become people of vision. And he showed, Jesus showed Peter vision there when he said, you really thought this was about fish. You really thought that this was about fish. But I am getting ready. I'm getting ready to make you a fisher of men. 
Here's the question. Are you a deep person? Pastor? Can you come to the keyboard real quick? Norman Vincent Peale told the story of a friend of his that grew up in a very poor Midwestern city. His father told him he could only go through the lower grades and then he would have to go to work to help support the family. One day he was walking down one of the main business streets of the city where he lived and he passed a newspaper office and saw a man sitting behind the desk with his coat off, his vest unbuttoned, tie was loose, the sleeves were rolled up. The young boy was struck immediately as though he was transfixed by this. He asked the police officer who was standing on the street corner, he said, who is that man? That man, said the police officer, is the editor of the newspaper. And he's just about the most powerful, he has about the most powerful influence in all of this area. Young boy asked, how did he get that job? I don't know. He probably worked for it, said the officer. Right then, that boy envisioned himself as the editor of that paper. The image was formed in his mind and he had no doubt about it at all. That was his future. And he went to work. At first, he got a job delivering papers. Then he got on one of the trucks that took the papers out. Next, he moved into the advertising department and he began to advance rather rapidly. But the path that he was on was not the path to the editorial chair to be the editor of that newspaper. The day came when the editor's position became open and the publisher of the newspaper called to him and he said, Roger, I don't know why I'm getting ready to make you this offer. You are the best advertising man we've ever had in this company. But I have an overwhelming feeling that you were intended to be the editor of this paper. So I appoint you the editor-in-chief. Roger just looked and said, thank you, sir. But God gave me that job a long time ago. That day on the shoreline for Peter was the glimpse of what he could be in Christ. When Jesus looked at him and said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. It would have never happened if he had stayed on the shoreline when the master looked at him and said, go launch out into the deep. Why are you saying all this, Master? Because in this house tonight, there are people that God is calling into deep places. All through this house, we've got young ones, we've got old ones, we've got those that are in between. But the fact of the matter is this. God is calling you to go into deep waters. God is saying to harvest time. God is saying to those that are listening, there's something greater than I'm wanting to do. 
Listen. All the work that we're doing, it's great. I'm telling you, man, I, I, when, I, when we were over here yesterday, I was excited to see all, to see all the work what we're doing. I mean, this is just this is just the beginning. Everything that we've got that we're wanting to do. But how many knows you can do all of that and still not go deeper? Yes. You can change the paint on the walls. You can change the pews. You can change the style of songs and still not go deeper. At that point, it just all becomes aesthetic. But in conjunction with that, God is saying, listen, there's something. There are waters that I'm wanting you to swim in. What if God wanted you to start a ministry in your community? Can I just share this and and and, and then and then we'll then we'll pray. I don't know why God at times would call me on the path that he would call me on in the last two years. What I mean by that is is the traveling and then the way that I supplement my income through the deliveries and things that I do. And sometimes I have a hard time with that because it would just be easy for me because I, I, I get them across my phone all day. I've got, I've got three places right now that are begging me to come work for them. And I can't do it. I don't feel a, re- I don't feel a release to do it. To be honest with you, it would mean a whole lot more money to my family and things like that, but I just don't have a release to do it. Because I can do that and be on the shallow end of the pool or I can be in the place where I can't touch the bottom and I have no idea what's going on. And God can show forth His glory. Because that happened a while back, just a couple of months ago, as I was doing a delivery here in town. And the lady that answered the door asked me, said, can you, you come in? Can you bring it in? She says, I can't carry this stuff in. Would you be willing to bring it in? Just set it on the counter for me? I said, absolutely. I said, I'd be glad to do that. So I brought it in. I looked at the woman and I said, how are you doing today? She says, I'm... I'm doing okay. She said, I just got back. I just had a doctor's appointment today. And I said, I said, okay. I was getting ready to just walk out the door. And it was the prompting of the Spirit that said, ask her if you can pray. I turned around and I said, see, that's the great thing about being an independent contractor. I work for nobody but myself. So I don't have to follow policy. So I just turned around and I said, hey, I said, this is going to sound weird. I know it's going to probably sound weird to you. I said, but I, I, I said, I just do this 
just to make a few extra bucks. I said, I'm, I said, I'm, a, I'm a minister. Is there anything I can help pray with you about? And tears begin to stream down her face. And she said, I didn't think anybody cared about the predicament that I'm in. And I said, well, what is that? And she began to tell me about a little bit about her medical journey. Two types of cancer that is in her body. Now I like to say that I got all spiritual and, and rebuked and declared and decreed. I didn't do any of that. But I grabbed her by the hand and I said, listen. I said, I want you to let you know. I said, there's a God in heaven that cares exactly where you're at. I said, and even though that you're walking this road, you're not walking this road alone. So there's a God in heaven that is walking every step of this way with you. I put my arm around her. Oh, preacher, you in a house with an older woman all by herself and you put your arm, I don't care. I don't give a rip what anybody thinks. I don't have time to follow ministry protocol on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. When somebody needs to have an encounter with God. And I just put my arm around her and I just begin to pray. I've seen that, I've seen that woman a few other times since then. And she said, I've got a peace in my heart since the day that you left that I haven't had since this whole ordeal started. And she says, I know that God can heal me. She said, but I, I started reading the Bible and I saw that verse in Job that said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Can I tell you what she experienced? She experienced being on the deep end of a relationship with God. What's God? What relationship is God? What deepness is God calling you to? Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.